1: Good morning, grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, January 30th, and you know what we do on Mondays, bringing James McCool. Mondays with McCool, James McCool, the co author with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com, as well as the the Advanced Players Course, which includes James's custom Excel tools, which we'll be talking a little bit about today. Good morning to the chat: Wataz, Defect, Daniel Hutchings, Matt Mears, Matt Kujeski. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know how much I like those. In the morning, wakes me up. Wakes me up. So hit that thumbs up. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. James, tools. I want to talk about tools. Mm-hmm. Right, not not idiots. Right, not not people ask stupid questions. They're tools also, but we offer in the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players a bunch of these uh we call the custom DraftKings tools. Although they do work for FanDuel, but they're designed primarily for for DraftKings, such as a single lineup optimizer, lineup simulator, portfolio trimmer, portfolio correlation matrix. The duplication checker, the contest reviewer, the contest history analyzer. Uh, and I've showed off a bunch of this stuff on the show the past couple of months. Uh, but the purpose of tools, the purpose of yeah, hey, the line, uh, lineup HQ, right? The purpose of lineup HQ. Now, obviously, lineup HQ, you know, contains like all the projections. Like you don't need necessarily the tool, right? Like I can just download the CSV of all the projections from Rotogrinders. We have a, we have a table, we have a page with all, with all this information on it already. But obviously if you want to build lineups in bulk or quicker or have a certain, you know, types of lineups you want to see, I mean, obviously doing it by hand is going to take a pretty long time. So I always consider tools to have one of two purposes. One efficiency, two accuracy. But in an, in in a, from a macro level, tools aren't necessarily there to like. Here's the right answer. Like, like, put in the magic settings, and there you go. You solved everything. What do you consider the purpose of tools?
0: Uh, so I look at tools have different different purposes, right? Um. Most of the time, what you're doing when you're developing a tool or putting something together, uh, you're trying to make your process more efficient one way or another. So uh, when you look at what an optimizer is, an optimizer is a tool that makes you more efficient at building your lineups. It doesn't mean that it's giving you the best lineups, period. Like it's giving you the highest median projected lineups, but you can do that yourself too. Like you can hand build that stuff. That There's no problem with that. Same thing as a calculator. Um, it's just a tool that makes it so that you are faster and more efficient at putting things together in the way that you want to, uh, for your entire portfolio to attack slate or for one lineup. even if you're just optimizing one lineup, if that's what your purpose is, then your purpose is just to efficiently create that one lineup, um, make it as quickly as possible and replicate your own process and your own, um, preferences using a tool. So a lot of the time it has to do with efficiency. Sometimes it has to do with um, finding trends or looking for patterns that you, as a person, can't pick up, you know, as easily or at all. Uh, something that the portfolio correlation matrix aims to achieve is something that I think a lot of people struggle to do, just ad hoc and and without a tool. Um, looking at how many of your lineups are correlated between two certain players so that you're not overexposing yourself to those specific players. Right. So uh, that's the other purpose of the tool I think is to find things specifically patterns that humans are really, really bad at picking up. So. And we're not talking about patterns in like player performance. We're talking no. about
1: patterns and lineup building. So for instance, you mentioned the portfolio correlation matrix. Like that's one of the, to me, one of the most useful tools in the theory mm-hmm. of DFS. I use it for two purposes. The main purpose is to inspect your own lineup portfolios to make sure that the diversification that you want is aligned with with your lineups. So that the common example we we, we give is like in baseball, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I want to play 50% of this pitcher and 50% of that pitcher, right? People use exposures to... They go like they build with the lineup builder too much through exposure not, and not look at specific lineups. So let's say picture A, 50%, picture B, 50%. Like you could have 50% of both and have them in, in 100 lineups, have them in none, no together, right? You could have picture A in 50 and picture B in 50, and that's 50% of each. You could have p- picture A and picture B both together in 50 of your lineups, and then the other 50 have neither of them together right? Still 50% of your lineups have pitcher A and 50% of your lineups have pitcher B. So like, if you're just going by exposures, you'd never realize that, that either those two players are highly correlated to each other in lineups or not at all. So like in the first instance, 50% pitcher A is in 50%, pitcher B is in 50%, but they never overlap. The portfolio correlation matrix would show that the R is zero. Mm -hmm. Even though you have 50% of each, they're never in a lineup together. The other situation, you'd have an R of one. Be like, you have 100 lineups, but pitcher A and pitcher B are a correlation of one, which means they're in every lineup together. So you're able to see that type of stuff. It could be pitcher A in this shortstop. It could be in basketball. These two, these, Thomas Bryan and Deontay Murray happen to be like, you're playing 20 lineups and 15 of your lineups have both of those two guys together. And you're like, well, do I want all of my lineups or most of my lineups to have these two or do I want to separate them out a little bit more? That's something you could check with the portfolio correlation matrix. But the other thing that you could do with it is run other people's projections, aggregate projections, run common construction types, and then build out 300, 1,000 lineups and go through and go, what is the field? A lot of people that have this guy are overwhelmingly going to have this other guy in the lineup also, or this, or if you're going to pay up at point guard, you're going to have a lot of cheap centers. You know, they, they, they're very much correlated to each other. Mm -hmm. And once you, especially if those two players are over-owned, you'd be like, well, this is something I want to do less of, right. And maybe less up to the point where you don't want to have any. And that's when you set up like a group, that says like don't play this guy and that guy together you could still have you could still play plenty of both of those guys but since you're not playing them together in common constructions you're now playing still say similar projected and similar own lineups but combinatorically they're not as owned together so that's the purpose of that tool and from an efficiency standpoint Good luck trying to do that on your own in a hundred lineups, right? I mean, like good, good luck trying to do that on your own. It's for efficiency. It's something you can figure out on your own. You can, it just takes longer.
0: And that's right. So isn't that the purpose of the tool? Yeah. That's a really hard thing to do too. So a lot of the time, because I don't build that many lineups, So when I build tools, usually I have myself in mind of people who are not building a whole bunch of lineups. Now, building out these tools with Jordan was a nice perspective because Jordan plays more lineups, right? Like and and Jordan now nowadays you're playing less lineups, your portfolio is usually less than 50 lineups, but beforehand, you know, you you have the perspective of somebody who builds out a whole bunch of lineups. So that's where this knowledge using portfolio correlation matrix uh like I would not have thought of this because I can look at five or six or seven lineups and be like I have way too much of these two pitchers together. I need to split them up. But I if, can't you, if you want to do that, I want to highlight the fact that you can do that. It and, of- and I was just going to say, too, oh. that like it's not right or wrong to do this this way. Remember, the idea is to build out lineups that fit your preference and the way that you think the slate should be attacked. If you are OK with having 50 percent of two different pitchers and having them all in the same lineups together and have an R of one, that's fine. Like, do your thing. Build your um, A lot of people, a lot it. of
1: people, James, a lot of people, what ends up happening is they don't realize it.
0: Right, that's the What point. ends up happening is point. that
1: it's an MLB slate, and it's like, well, I played pitcher A and pitcher B both in 50% of my lineups, and then they go, well, pitcher A just put up like 58 points, or, you know, mm-hmm. some they pitched a perfect game, and it's like, well, I have half this guy, so th- I should be great, but
0: the and other 50% guy got
1: killed, and it's like, oh, they're all in the same lineups together, and I didn't like, I didn't intend on, and if you intended on it, that's one thing. But a lot of times, it's a lot of times it's like uh, the pitcher did well. uh, I I have tons of him, and it turns out that that pitcher is only in like the stack that went off that you have twenty percent of, just doesn't contain that pitcher at all because of price. Consider like the way the way that everything worked out, and you didn't realize it, and maybe you would have wanted to have a little bit more diversification between those players Mm -hmm. and. Just by looking at exposures, you're not gonna notice that unless you look at the actual lineups. And hey, do you want to go through every single one of your lineups? No, I'd rather just throw it in a in an Excel tool and right. go, show me. But I use it even for the the smaller field stuff, for the, the less lineups. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm building 10, 15, I still wanna I want to throw in, it's like, okay, what is the field gonna do? Right. And I take a look at the correlations between lineups that the field is going to do, because a lot of people for the main purpose is a lot of times people use the tools wrong. Right. right? They use optimizers wrong. They they don't do any part of this process. They go, well, I'm just going to let the optimizer tell me what to play. And it's like that's not the purpose of tools. The other the tools around. there, it, it's to the tools there as as a hammer hammer and nails and it's like well what do you want to build and if your if your answer is i don't know you tell me what to build what is the hammer and the nails going to do it's like no tell me you're building a bookcase and let's let's build a bookcase quicker than not having a hammer or a nail so i think that's the main purpose of tools no matter what you build i don't i don't believe james anything that you build and you build a lot of tools even outside of theory of dfs you build for for your pay dirt None of those tools are like you press a button and you get an answer, right? Like, no. like and then like, this is the, this is the solved problem and, and you're good. And that's it. No thought required.
0: I think that there, the, the most recent tool that I built, and I see a couple questions in the chat that we'll get to towards the end of this after we're done, like talking through this stuff. So don't, don't worry about that. We're not ignoring it. Um The most recent tool that I built, there's, it's an MBA pivoter where like, you can look And it's using Patriot projections right now, but soon I'll be able to have an upload into it so that you can see with your own projections too. But you can pick a player like say TJ McConnell has been somebody who I've been running recently. Um, And I usually will look at the chalk, but you look at TJ McConnell and you enter him in and then you say how many points plus or minus you want away from him and how many, uh, how much salary you want plus or minus away from him. So if he's 6,000 and projects for 30 fantasy points, and you say three points up and down, then it'll look for players that are within thirty-three to twenty-seven fantasy points and three hundred dollars from fifty-seven hundred six to three hundred, right? So you run that, and then it'll tell you, okay, well, here's a list of players that you could pivot to, and their ownerships and everything like that, and it actually simulates out what um, those what all that players are. It develops a range of outcomes table for it, right? So. That A very sim-
1: essentially, what it's doing is similar to the lineup simulator we have,
0: right? But just so with, with those players play. in in the in that range, right? Exactly. So it'll do that, and and that's really powerful for NBA because if you do that and say with TJ McConnell, like TJ McConnell was fifty seven hundred and projected for like thirty eight fantasy points the other night, and so if you put him into the port into this pivot finder nobody is even close. Right? So that is somebody who that's probably the only tool I think that I've built in recent memory where it like, if there are literally no other pivots to this incredible value, then I think that that gives like a pseudo answer of you should just play this guy. But the vast majority of the time when you build a tool, all it's doing is saying, Hey, how do you want to build? Let's make that a little bit faster. Let's make your process a little bit more efficient. So then in instead of spending an hour, you can build out a suite of tools that makes it so that you can now spend just 10 minutes on, right? And I think that we achieved that really well with Theory ADFS in the tools that we put together, took your MMA process, Jordan, your specific process from like 45 minutes down to like 15. And that's awesome because that is one ROI on your time investment and two, it makes it so that you can react to things quicker and you can make it so that you can handle a bunch of other things quicker. Um, if you're playing, say that it's like Sunday and God forbid, you're playing the e slates, but say that you're playing all of the different esports stuff and you're playing NFL and you're playing NBA, right? Like you have all of these different things going on. If it takes you 45 minutes per sport, you're not going to be able to handle all of it. But if it takes you five to 10 minutes per sport, then you can manage all of that stuff, uh, in a, in a more efficient manner. So I, I think that most of it, you know, at the beginning is, is about efficiency, but it is also mostly about taking your process and the thing that you want to do and the lineups that you want to build and achieve and making it so that you can do that more effectively. And there's no right or wrong answer in how you want to build the lineup, but the tools are there to make it so that you can build them faster.
1: But even from an accuracy standpoint, a lot of times this season in NFL, I'd look through and go like, this game is going to be really low owned and you know, it has a low total or whatever. And I'll just go through and I'll like lock in, I lock in lineups with like a three plus one or something type of stack, and then run three hundred lineups, and then throw them into the Portfolio Trimmer for Theory DFS, and see what 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 are the underowned and overowned players that have to be part of those lineups to keep the projection as high as mm-hmm. possible. And sometimes I get to a point where it's like, yeah, the only way that that that, that this three plus one is viable is by jamming all the chalk, and then yep. I have to decide out of my 18 lineups that I'm playing on this slate, do I want to spend one that looks like this? And then sometimes I come to the, so, sometimes there's better opportunities and I go, nah, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste a lineup here. You know, jam, jamming in the one-off Garrett Wilson and the one-off David Montgomery chalk or right. Cause that's the only, if I don't jam in that chalk with this stack, like the projection just goes down too far yep. for the, for like the spy or power sweeps that I've been. And then, but, I'm doing that more accurately rather than just go, well, I want this. So I'm just going to play it. It's like, well, no, let me, let me inspect this further. And then sometimes I get and like, Oh no, I could play with the portfolio using the smart trim function in the portfolio trimmer. I'm like, wow, I actually could play lineups with this contrarian stack and still not have to jam in all the Mm -hmm. chalk. Like, like, yeah, one or two pieces, but I could still have a good combinatorial ownership outside of that, that I'm not just, you know, I'm not playing 30% on guys in the rest of my, I, yeah, I'm not playing like 1% on guys, but because the stack is low owned, but I'm inspecting those types of considerations, those strategic considerations use, using the tools so much quicker. I could do it in lineup HQ. I could build 300 lineups and then manually go through and go, let me, let me get rid of this lineup and that lineup. And let me see what the exposures look like. Oh yeah. I'm getting a lot of Christian McCaffrey in these types of lineups. You could do all of that. That's what I used to do. Mm-hmm. I used to do all of that. I mean, that's the main thing. I used to do all of that to come to these conclusions of what types of lineups do I want to play which What are my candidate lineups? Cause you could play tons of lineups and then which ones that I want to go with on this given slate. Like, but that would normally take me like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Right now it takes me five to 10 minutes. I mean, like depending on the sport, I'm expecting going into MLB season, James, that, I mean, I six, you know, 630 Eastern, like easily done by seven and and I'm done. And like, that's, that's, that's MLB DFS for the entire day. Just 30 minutes max. I mean, and I'm, it could probably be even sure probably six, five, 15 minutes yeah. or something like that, especially on larger slates. If I want to build out bigger portfolios and stuff like that, like if, if, if I'm doing like my three lineup. Type of process with the double up lineup, the triple up three x five x lineup. With the, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to set up something in Excel to kind of use the lineup simulator to to choose the lineup that I'm going to do for the three x five x. I've 5X. got
0: something for you coming this MLB season for that.
1: Okay. Because yeah. I, I, I want obviously the the double up lineup is going to be just basically meeting optimal. So like that's mm-hmm. that's a one that's that that it's that, two seconds. I'm going to play that no matter what but it's that three X, five X lineup and the single entry lineup where it's like, I, I, I need a way to basically convert ownership plus projection and go like, how much projection am I giving up and how much ownership by my game am I losing and give me like, like within a certain range, whatever the b- best proportion of that is without giving up that much projection. Right. Cause I'm not, I'm still only giving up maybe, maybe five points in projection at max and then show me like, like show me the show me the 10 lineups that, that fit that parameter the best, which I could use the portfolio trimmer for, but I want I want I almost wanted the lineup simulator and the portfolio trimmer kind of almost in one tool. Yeah. To kind of show me that at once and then eliminate, trim out the lineups that don't fit the right proportion of ownership. And then it probably leaves me with like, yeah, play one of these four lineups. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, okay. And then at that point I could just close my eyes and pick one.
0: Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited for baseball season for all of this kind of stuff. Um I, I think that the portfolio trimmer was built for for baseball, basically. Uh it's like a perfect tool for it. Um, the other thing, and and this is, you know, blasphemy coming from a degenerate here, but uh I like to use the tools to decide if I'm gonna play slate or not. Um, like yesterday I used the tools and I, I was trying to build out and I was talking through my thoughts in the Discord and I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I want to fade Christian McCaffrey here because I knew that Christian McCaffrey was going to be like a million percent them, right? Um, right? And I used the tools and I was building out and I was like, okay, what's the best lineups that I can build here without Christian McCaffrey? And I went through on the portfolio trimmer I went through on the lineup simulator and I'm looking through and I'm like, all these lineups suck. <laughs> it was say, only a two game slate though, right? It, yeah, but it was so hard. Like I, I like to use the tools to try to see if there is leverage that I can gain that I'm okay with. For the most part, like it's I'm OK feeling uneasy here and there. But yesterday, like the process that I would usually go through is, OK, I'm going to build a bunch of lineups without Christian McCaffrey and I'm going to see what the projections are and, and what ownership looks like. And I'm going to see specifically if thematically the lineups make sense in terms of giving me ceiling production from the rest of the players. because I do care about that in NFL and the lineups with Christian McCaffrey, one projected like nine points better than all these lineups just to start. And then after that, you're looking at the lineups and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. So I have Patrick Mahomes with Isaiah Pacheco and Miles Sanders. And then like three other Eagles players that doesn't make, it just didn't make sense. So using the tools when I was building out, it, it lets me look at after I've trimmed out and I have like 30, 35 lineups to look at, I'm looking at these lineups and I'm like, I don't know if these are the lineups that I have for the slate based on my process, I'm not touching the slate. So I didn't play yesterday and it felt great because I, I didn't have to deal with it. The, the lineups that I would have played yesterday were going to be Eagles and San Francisco stacks. So I'd have gotten shot one way or another. And, and I like using that process to decide if I'm going to play or slate or not because contrary to popular belief, you don't have to play every slate. You don't? You You don't don't have have to play every slate? You don't have to play every slate. If you think that you don't have an edge that you want to be able to exploit, you don't have to play that slate. I tell people that all the time, especially in baseball season, because baseball season can beat you down into the ground. If you go on like a three-week losing streak, you are out of your mind and you're just tilted for the rest of the season. So it's good to take slates off. I, I think it's good to take slates off.
1: No, but to me NBA is where you take the slate. I'm to me, I'm taking the t- seasons. I'm taking the whole season. no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> no NBA, I don't care because as soon as we get into what happened last night, or actually, no, it wasn't last night. It was, uh, who was it? It was um, Max Struss, I think, goes for a career high at like eighty fan- at like eighty percent owned or something after averaging like point six fancy points per minute. After that, I was like, "Cool, I'm done." So I don't take slates off in NBA because I know that about midway through January, there's going to be a slate that happens where something so stupid and tilting happens that I'm just done, and that and that's all.
1: Let's get to some questions in the YouTube chat. If you have any questions about the purpose of tools or anything about what James does with the tools, mm-hmm. Julio Julio G asks: Is it possible? Is it possible? I mean, I'm assuming it's possible. To Build a portfolio correlation matrix for three players, because we do it for two. We we'll show you Absolutely. two by two.
0: Yeah. So uh yes, it is, but um not in Excel. Not really. Like you could do it No, I mean, it. obviously you could do it quickly in Python, but I mean in Excel it would it would take too long. It it would be so there's two things here. One in uh in Python I can run I can just run a combinatorics equation right like I, it's it's not that hard in, in Python but in Excel uh, the way that I had to set it up and and the way that the portfolio correlation matrix is built is it is creating a table based on transposing the different players within your entire portfolio right so it's pulling in all of the uniques um, and then it is building out and transposing those and then building a table of all the players next to each other right so first off, when you do that with two players, uh, that's that's okay. That's not the biggest deal. But when you do it with three players, now you have that extra layer. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to run more than like 500 lineups in Portfolio Correlation Matrix. It can take like five minutes because the math is like pretty brutal and you have to brute force a lot of it because Excel is dumb. Um, if you were to do three players, I think just doing a portfolio of like 250 players probably take – like ten minutes or something, and, and it just it just doesn't make sense from the time investment standpoint. Sure, you could do it, but uh the 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 energy expenditure for it just is not worthwhile. Like, we, it, it's, what are you? I was say? gonna I was gonna say instead of that, in
1: inside the tool, there's a table that that it's called variance factor. Mm-hmm. Now you now James made variance factor as far as. These are the players that contribute the most to this portfolio, which means like if you're going to root for people, the ones with the highest numbers are the ones that are in most of the lineups. But the people that are at the top of the list are most likely in the lineups together. So like the highest, if you have, if you in the portfolio correlation matrix tool as part of theory of DFS, if you have, you know, a player with the variance factor 0.35, another one 0.33, another one another one and then the next one is like 0.10, yeah. and then 0.08. Like those top four, most likely those four players are going to be in a lot of lineups together, or three of the four players are going to be in a lot of lineups together. So you get that information mm-hmm. on are these three players in a lot more lineups, and you may have 30% of some other guy and their variance factor may be like 0.08, which basically means that, yeah, they may be in 30% of your lineups, but they're not in as many lineups with all these other people at the top that your whole portfolio is not as the variance of your portfolio is not all as dependent on that one player. So the variance factor table in that tool is not necessarily built based on exposure, but based on, your total portfolio you know like like the, the success of your entire portfolio are based around the highest variance factor players so you can almost use that as a proxy of well if there's there's three or four players heavily towards the top of that list you could pretty much say that those three or four players are probably in lineups together with one
0: it also kind of comes down to like if you if so much of dfs these days is about 1v1s and 2v2s that A 3v3 thing to to measure that out is like you're, if you use a 3v3 correlation matrix, I think you would end up just rebuilding your entire portfolio to the point where you would miss out on a lot of what you built in the original one. It would just, it would reset so much of what you were doing that it would almost only be useful if you were building like a really large field portfolio and you were accepting a lot of variance. So I, I don't think there would be necessarily all that useful.
1: And definitely not useful for the time in Excel that it no, would take.
0: Absolutely not. No. Right. Because think about it, like in, in NBA especially, right? Like you get news 12 minutes before slate locks. And like if you wanted to try to run something with a with a three person portfolio correlation matrix, like it's done after a lock. <laughs>
1: Even, no, the, the, even the regular one i wouldn't do i mean it's yeah, the, if the you even waiting it. three minutes or something I, i'm yeah. not that's hard right matt mears asks uh, a while back james talked about using a quote staircase method for systematically estimating ownership for smaller contests using the large field projections any chance this becomes a new tool for theory of dfs
0: um probably not for theory of dfs but it is something that i think would be cool to add as a tool over at peter Uh, So like, if you guys haven't checked out, Peter, I have a whole bunch of tools over there and I continue building because that is my site. Um, And and I do like taking on these kind of like considerations and and, uh, ideas from the community, because I I think that, again, I'm a man of the people. I build things for people to find more efficiency, right? Like, that's what I like to do. So uh, something like that, I think if you wanted to be able to upload ownership projections and say, here's the size of the contest, blah, blah, blah. I'd have to do a lot of back testing on it, but I think it'd be kind of a cool thing to build out. Um, as well, it what what, is, it, what is this staircase method? So uh, I think I talked about it on the show. Um, when you take in ownership projections, a lot of them are built for the largest field contests, right? And trying to build out something for say the spy or um, like 555 or something like that, those ownership projections don't really work out very well because they're more condensed uh, in the smaller fields, right? So what I do is I kind of do, um, I, I guess we could call it an exponential weight, where the players that are higher owned based on a certain threshold then begin to gain more and more ownership as you go up. So if a player is, if the highest owned players projected to be 45% owned in large field contests, then they are going to get the largest exponential bump up to something like 70% owned in small field. And then if there's like another cohort of guys that are like 30% owned, all of them are probably going to be bumped up to between 40 and 50%. And then as you go down that, like that, that exponential weight is going to be less and less. So then the guys that are projected to be like 10% owned, if they're well below the average, say the average ownership of a player is going to be like 15%. If you have a cohort of guys in the 10% range, those guys then drop. Into like the five percent range, so it kind of it it spreads out based on the average. I, I I call it a staircase because it's easier to understand and like to think about the way that, that works. But it's actually exponential; it just gets parabolic. Um, when, well, when I ca- I, call bar, I call it a bar. I call the I call it barbell. I don't know if that that's the correct way to think about
1: it, but I think that barbell wise, mm-hmm. that in smaller field contests in higher stakes contests, you know, typically, which are smaller field, that the ownership, if you're using large field ownership projections, if you compare to large field contests, that the chalk will be chalkier. Yeah. The low owned players will be even more like the 1% owned players will be almost not owned. Yeah. And the middle isn't going to change much. Right. So like exactly. when you said that average, it's like, what if the average player ownership is 10% on a player, like anything that's around like between like, like in the large field contest, if we see like eight to 12% owned players, they'll probably be eight to 12% owned also in small field, but a 5% owned player in large field will be like 2% owned in small field. Like, like, and the guys that are like, like, Twenty percent owned will be like twenty six percent owned, but the the high owned guys, the forty five percent owned guy, maybe seventy percent. Right, owned. like yeah. like it is exponential, but as far as which players it affects, it looks more like 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 you said parabolic. It's yeah, like once you get closer to the the average ownership, those kind of players in the middle don't really change that much. It's really a lot of the the ownership come from the the heavily chalky players. Comes out of, like, all of the low-owned players at once because, like, in large field, you may find someone that's, like, 0.75% owned. They're literally unowned Yeah. in the small field. Or you find someone that's 1.5% owned, and they're, like, in, like, one lineup. Yeah. Like, they're 0.07%. Like, like so all of that little ownership here is typically just going all the way to the top, all the way to the top, mm-hmm. all the way to the top. And then, that like kind of the mid-range doesn't change all that much.
0: Yeah. So if you're if you were to visualize it in in like the the application of this and like the way that I do it because I do it for NBA projections and for um, NHL projections over at Peter, Uh when when you're considering the size of the contest, if you're looking at like the normal large field of being just like that diagonal, right, like linear then you just kind of like, as you start to get smaller, you start to kind of like widen it out and then eventually become like super parabolic, like where the the average players and the average players at that point, the ownership doesn't even matter. Like at at that point in small field, you're pretty much just looking at, okay, who are the top six to 10% owned players? Mm -hmm. And like, those are the only guys that you're really going to be caring about when you're making decisions on the slate. And we've talked about that a lot. We talked about that in theory DFS of, um making decisions based on the most valuable portions of the slate. That's where it really becomes valuable in, in projecting out small field ownership. Right.
1: Right. Cause James, cause people ask me all the time that like I do my people would pay for my ownership and I go, I can't really sell my ownership cause I'm not changing like every play. I'm like, like, like I'm number one. I'm doing it purely by judgment, human judgment. Yeah. And number two, I'm not changing everyone. Like, like you said, I'm changing like, Half the players of the player pool, I'm not even considering. So, like, right. I'm not going to uh, – this guy's going to be 2% or 3%. It's like it doesn't matter to me. I just get rid of him. It's a matter of – it. this 32 percent own guy in large field, I think he's going to be, like, 48% in small – okay, that change yes. Did, like, the highest own guys, and then, like, what's at the, the bottom? Like, where does it start going where the 6%-owned guy becomes a 2%-owned guy? And I may change a whole bunch – and I I may just do it in bulk and just go – Well, six goes to two and five goes to one and five. And then I'm at the bottom of the playable list. Like the only players left in my player pool, I may only have like for NBA, Mm -hmm. I may only have like 32 people that are even viable for me to play anyway in small field. And then it's like, okay, once I adjust these guys, mostly the main guys, and then like I just rip off a bunch from the low and then I'm done. Right. So it's like, like, what, what can I really give you? There's that like, I'm using that concept but what uh what Matt is talking about is is uh, the
0: ability to do that more efficiently exactly. and more accurately. Yep. Yep, and, and like the the other thing and then we'll we'll move on to to the next portion of this. But the other thing is is don't ask 1v1 or 2v2 questions about players that like don't matter. <laughs> and, and when I say that, I mean if you're asking me a one V one or two V two about two players that are both going to be like 8% owned and project within like three points of each other. Throw throw
1: a dart against the board. Literally
0: whatever choice you want to make, like the, those players, the, the outcomes there, obviously the outcomes are going to be consequential of how your lineup finishes. But in terms of the process to which one you choose, that it doesn't have any effect on the leverage that your lineup gains. It doesn't have any effect on the correlation that your lineup gains. It doesn't have a, any measurable effect on the projection that your lineup gains or loses. If If you're going to ask a 1v1 or a 2v2, it needs to be able to... Uh, have an effect on how good of a lineup you are making in the size of the contest that you're in. So if you're in a really large field contest and you're asking a 1v1 or a 2v2, it had better involve one of the highest popular players on the slate or a 1% owned player that you think is good. Like give me those barbells, give me those edge cases. Um, If you're in small field, same thing, but it needs to be even more extreme, right? Like you need to be asking me, do I want to play this 45% on guy or this 30% on guy? Because, like, those guys actually matter for that contest. Um, right? Otherwise, like, don't think too much about it. it, it just, well, I think it, it just, getting away
1: from thinking about DFS as 1v1s and 2v2s is, I mean, the
0: main thing. oh well, okay, yeah, but, like, you're you're still – you do have to make those decisions up and down. Like, like it, if you have five lineups, you do absolutely – have to make sure that you are making decisions about these different guys like you have to Um, just don't waste the time. Like after you have built out a lineup, you have like seven players in your lineup and you've come down to the last two or whatever. That's not a way to. that don't, don't, don't perpetuate that. I won't let you Let, let me get to the end of this. Okay. If you have like seven players and you get down to the last two, and you are trying to make these decisions on what the last two are going to be, if they are not super high owned or super low owned, like the decision that you're making likely doesn't matter. that much. Like just go off the projections and you'll be fine. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Because the rest of your lineup probably already, you have already built in however much leverage or however much relative value or however much projection you're going to have based on the bulk of your lineup. So those last two players, like you spend too much time on it it. And it likely doesn't matter that much.
1: Is that what you I, I my attitude say? is? You never get to that point to begin with because you never. I'm never. I'm never. I, James. I am never looking at player slots.
0: You aren't, but a lot of people are. And I'm. Yeah, but that's to, what that's what I'm trying to
1: teach. Stop looking at player slots. Look at lineups. I look yes, at lineups. So right. I have all the slots in front of me to begin with. So there's nothing yes. for me to do. I play this guy or this guy who's left in my line. There's nothing. There's never anyone left in my lineup. I'm only looking at full lineup. And I could look. I, yeah, maybe the two builders. lineups I'm look, James. Maybe the two lineups I'm looking at are a two v two difference. But I'm not just sitting there with like like a, a six player lineup in NBA, going what two slots are left? I no, mean, nah, man, you're I missing fit. the point
0: because you build with an optimizer.
1: Well, that's what you should be doing. It's you're more
0: efficient. But there are there are plenty of hand builders out there. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. If you Even build, if you build with you an optimizer, in, you're obviously. Still building by a lineup. If, if you build with an optimizer, obviously you are not deciding on the last two two players in your lineup because the optimizer already built it. But if you're hand building, you do have to make these decisions. No, you don't. You, do, you do have you to do. think of it holistically. You, you can't think You of can't take seven players and then just have it auto fill in the last two players. That's not how this. Go fill in and make whatever lineups you want by hand That's and then choose between those. That's what I just said. I said okay. the two players don't matter that much. Right. But people get too
1: wrapped into, like, why well, God? I got 6,300 left of my utility. Who should I play? Like, if, you, if, if you're if you asking that question, then you're playing wrong. Like, then you're not thinking about lineups. You're thinking too much
0: about players. Right. Just play the one that projects the best because the rest of your lineup already built in the leverage and the relative value for the entire lineup. That's what I said. Listen, Jordan. Listen. No,
1: but you shouldn't get to that point where you're doing that anyway.
0: Okay, hand builders out there in the audience. You can listen to what I just said. If you built an optimizer, obviously don't listen to what I just said.
1: Well, that's why, What not the point of the show the purpose of tools? <laughs>
0: yes. The yes, purpose yes. of tools, the
1: purpose of an optimizer so you don't get into those situations where you're going, oh, do I play 1v1? You you said the downfall of like, is spending too much time on 1v1s and 2v2s. You know how you spend the least amount of time on them? You build all your candidate lineups with a, the with a lineup builder like you could get on Grinders. If you're a premium member, click on the link on the description, get $10 off your first month. And you don't have to worry about it anymore.
0: There you go. That's exactly right. See? Uh, Conscious Machine 413. So the guys that I felt good about not playing were in the Millionaire Maker top spot. Did I realize this? I'd be crushed. Do you know how many times I have considered players that have won people millions of dollars? I've been playing for 10 years. Nothing crushes me anymore. It <laughs> also it's not about players.
1: It's about lineups. Oh, yeah, the players I would have played. You have four of them, but you still need to make more lineups. I mean, like...
0: Really? I would not have built the Millionaire Maker lineup last night. I wouldn't have. Absolutely not.
1: Right, because you would have had Brock Purdy and
0: well, I'd had Jalen Hurts. I think I, I was specifically trying to build around Jalen Hurts, and I did like Patrick Mahomes just because I knew that he was going to be low owned off the ankle injury. But um oh, like I think I would have done okay, but the, I didn't really have a chance to take down GPPs last night. I, I would so have been I would have been on straight. the wrong you curve.
1: have to be perfect. I mean, come yeah, on.
0: I, I'd have been on the wrong combos, and that's fine.
1: So anything else about the purpose of tools and uh, people could find obviously the tools that, that we've mentioned most of them in the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players, pick that up at theoryofdfs.com. It also it, comes with 10 chapters of audio. I mean, like it's not just the tools. It is an audio course. It's the advanced audio course. I would obviously suggest you take the fundamentals masterclass first. That's 15 hours. How to think like a professional DFS player before, you know, if, if you're used to, if you're if you're already building with a lineup builder, you already understand, you know, DFS concepts like correlation, leverage, project, what projections are, all that type of stuff. Like maybe then you could go directly to the advanced players course, but you need you need to know the concepts first before you yeah. can apply them. So you could pick that up at theoryofdfs.com. And uh, James, you're. Your, your additional stuff is that is at
0: paydirtdfs.com. yeah yeah paterdfs.com um you can find me on twitter at pater underscore Dfs I, I'm building out a lot of really cool stuff for baseball uh I plan to have a lot of really cool like stacking tools and and uh I already mentioned a portfolio simulation tool which is gonna be really really cool so I, I'm really excited for baseball to come back and um at NBA I have some really cool stuff over there but we're getting into the part of NBA that just like I don't even like it. All, all
1: of NBA sucks.
0: God, yeah, but especially after we hit February, dude. You uh, said that every
1: year, but then the beginning of the season happens, and
0: 17 teams are already tanking. I have enjoyed – I always enjoy NBA up through the middle of January. Like I said at the beginning of this. And then as soon as that something happens, middle of January happens, and I'm just like, I'm out. I'm out.
1: Now we got uh, got, what, 58 days till baseball? I think yeah, pretty close. That's pretty close. Like I'm pretty excited for it. Right. And programming note, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, you won't be back for a while here. That February is going to be off and on. In February, okay. Just as a programming note, there'll be a show tomorrow, but then there won't be a show till next, the following Thursday. I am going on a a cruise, so I'll be gone for a week, right. And then also in the middle of the month, there's going to be the NBA All Star break, and that's kind of like there's not much going on, so you know steve and devin i don't want to make them wake up wake up early in the morning to do a show when there's like no basketball slate or nothing going on so there's going to be a couple of days where there's no show then also so they'll be you know you you always hear me on the the day before going hey, there's no show until whenever and then people will dm me 14 times where's the show today if you don't see a thumbnail that means there's no show that day so so james said there won't be a monday show for like a month
0: yeah yeah, and and that's that's a big bummer I'll probably do some live streams over the next month because I'll miss it like this this is how I start my week you know like I, I like the Monday show so you don't start oh. your week on Sundays like on the calendar no why would I do that insane people do that
1: yeah but it's it's the first day of the week on a normal calendar it's not Sunday. the first
0: day of the week it's that's that's insane person stuff and the, the first day of the week is Monday absolutely every single Their week, week
1: ends their ends of the week so that means it starts on Sunday.
0: No, the the weekend goes from Saturday to Sunday. That is a weekend. Oh, okay. So it's, it's oh, so it's week
1: end. It's Saturday, Sunday, and that's the end of the week. How else not would the you end? Not the end
0: ends, plural of the week. Not the no. Week ends. No, it is the weekend. Nobody says it's the weekends. It's the weekend. The weekend. Okay. Right. How <laughs> so come that? How come calendars start with Sundays? Because Julius Caesar was a cuck, I don't know, man. Like, it's because it doesn't make any sense. Like Sunday. No, I no, like, I
1: agree. conceptually I agree with you, but yeah. why? Then why does calendars have Sundays and Saturdays?
0: We still have daylight savings time, Jordan. Time is a construct. Like is Sunday. Cal- was
1: was the calendar invented by by like DraftKings changing their like CSV format like in the middle of a season? <laughs>
0: I mean you I, obviously
1: you obviously saw that. I saw you tweeting about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty ass awesome. In the um, middle
1: of a season, like why? Why even bother? Why why do that now?
0: That there there were multiple sources at the same time in the same day that changed either their CSV export or the naming conventions on players for NBA. The same day like in the end of January for no reason. I I it must have been it must have been like one of the major um one of the major providers of like salaries or something like that, like the, like a sports info or, or whatever, right? It must have been them making a change that all of these different companies sweep through that use that made this change in the middle of the season. Because I tried to run my scripts in the morning and everything shut down. It's like, no, no, no. 20 of these names don't exist. I'm like, excuse me? Because like I've been building this list for five years and I think I have every single possible name in here at this point and they did they changed a whole bunch of juniors and seniors and and the thirds and second like it all flipped and i had to change all it was so that was just gross it's so <laughs> stupid i you should be sent to prison directly for that direct like, like no good trials. thing you
1: don't you don't have to deal you don't do any soccer stuff right no
0: no because oh, you did soccer ball,
1: stuff you'd, be, you'd, you'd, you'd 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 bow out i that window in the back there, and you'd you be jumping. I don't care if it's on the first floor. You'd be jumping out of it anyway.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. Like naming conventions are the bane of my existence. And and anybody who builds models absolutely agrees with me that naming conventions, that there should be a universal accepted naming convention for every single player across the internet. And if you deviate, you should be sent to the gallows. Just uh, in play. soccer, and James in
1: soccer, DraftKings. Because remember... A lot of, a lot of Brazilians and Portuguese players have really long real names and then they have their own like soccer nickname. Yep. Yep. DK uses their soccer nickname, but uses it for first, uh, a lot of the times, first name and last name. So
0: So like, it would be be like something like, like Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho. The worst that I have ever seen DraftKings do was during KBO like during the pandemic when we when we were all playing Korean baseball, right? <laughs> it it was like borderline racist how many times they used the same name for these players. <laughs> and I and I understand that there's a lot of overlap in first names, I get it. Overlap in like, lat technically last names. Right, last names. But DraftKings would just they had like tr- like 10 players that were all the same name and I'm like, "No, no, no. Like this this <laughs> You guys aren't trying hard enough and I know that you're not. No,
1: everyone knows in, in KBO, as long as you have five man stack Kim, you're you're good, right? was <laughs> so bad, dude. No, I saw that. I'm like, and and you'd have to go search for these starting lineups and have to Go is this Kwon who's son what? or is this Kim son? Like, and everyone, if you just go by it, DraftKings would go by initials, and like that wasn't even good enough.
0: No, you had to guess at what these players' names were because DraftKings was just, like DraftKings pulled a Fanduel and just said we're not doing that. <laughs> <We're> just, <laughs> we don't care. He's just not doing that. You you guys can go ahead and do your best, but we're not. That's not us. We're you guys can go have fun. We're not doing that for you.
1: So you can find uh, James's tools, paydirtdfs.com, theorydfs.com for the courses and uh, the, the Excel tools. And uh, obviously, you're going to need projections. You're going to need ownership. You're going to need a way to build lineups, right? You get that here at Roto-Grinders. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month for a combo premium package, which gets you all the sports, right? we still got what? got Super Bowl stuff for NFL, NBA, MLB, BGA. MMA, college, college basketball, soccer. Champions League will be coming back, right, with Premier League. We got everything here. So uh, join us here. You get access to our premium Discord, which includes my Blenders Game Theory channel. Come and, and talk to me whenever you want. Ask whatever questions you'd like. I do two or three Zoom coaching calls per month. And uh, and uh, we, got, we got tons of stuff on this YouTube channel. The Scores and Odds channel for, for all your betting needs. Got tons of shows. We got NBA... Grinders Live coming up later today. Crunch time right before lock. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A pretty big NBA slate tonight. And I'll be back tomorrow for, for uh, more answering your DFS strategy questions, right? Like I always do here. Monday through Friday. Maybe In February, maybe not so much Monday through Friday. But most of the time, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS free game show. On rotogrinders.com.